When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick Bob podcast coming out of the uh, 4th of July holiday, getting back in the swing of things. And on today's pod, got some Husker football for you. So uh, how my mind works for some of my thoughts or, or solo pods this time of year is I usually I'm thinking in terms of like lists. And these lists are obviously usually about Husker football. I usually either think of a topic or a question, and it just kind of comes out in a list. Toughest games, most important games, best players of the last 10 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be another list pod. Today, I got two lists for you. Most under-discussed or under-the-radar players for Nebraska heading into next year. I got three players for you there. And then I got six players, six I guess returning players who just have been on my mind lately, not sure I want to label this, maybe intriguing guys, or maybe players that Nebraska, returners that Nebraska needs to really take a big leap next year, something along those lines. But that's what I got on deck for you today. So let's get into this. Let's start with the what I see as some really under-discussed or under-the-radar players for Nebraska. First guy that comes to mind is Billy Kemp. Now, maybe he's getting talked about in in your circle, around your friends, or the people you read and follow, but I don't hear a ton about him. And when I say under-discussed, I think that is mainly out of level of importance that I see a guy like Billy Kemp having. Um, Listen, I think if you've listened to me over the last year, you know that I've become someone who really appreciated Trey Palmer, like Really, really appreciated that guy. I mean, he his value last year was massive. He certainly wasn't the MVP. That was Casey Thompson, which is kind of the nature of the quarterback spot. But we all saw what the offense looked like without Casey Thompson, where it became just like undeniable, oh, Casey Thompson's without question the MVP. I truly think that when you think of the last 20 years of Nebraska football, The two most inept offenses I've seen in 20 years were the 2009 offense and then the 2022 offense without Casey Thompson. Those are the two worst Nebraska offenses I've seen since 2003. So to me, Casey Thompson was the MVP, but man, Trey Palmer was right there behind him for value. I mean, he won Nebraska a few games and also kept Nebraska competitive in a few as well. His ability to to take the top off the defense, be a legitimate deep threat, make the explosive play, it was just remarkable to watch. If you think about it, in my opinion, Trey Palmer kind of either won or greatly impacted the the Iowa win. He had two receiving touchdowns. One was a bomb. The Rutgers win, he had the deep ball touchdown in the second half. The Indiana win at home. 157 yards receiving that game. His long touchdown catch won the game, sealed the game, I should say. And then we know about the two almost won games. 
right? The Purdue 237 yards receiving game is just unbelievable. And then people forget that he had two touchdown catches against Wisconsin at home in a game that Nebraska puked away. I was so impressed and appreciative appreciative of his impact. Therefore, I think his void, his absence, is a massive one. And so, listen, nobody is going to be able to be the deep threat that he was. Maybe Xavier Betts can kind of become that. But I don't know. We got to see that first. I'm not sure Marcus Washington is that guy. Can he be the number one dude, big play guy? We'll see. So this is where I look at Billy Kemp. He comes to Nebraska with almost 200 catches for his career at Virginia. He had 725 yards receiving in 2021. And he's got almost 1,800 receiving yards for his career. I mean, he, he's done a, done a pretty good amount so far in his career. Nebraska needs Billy Kemp to be a player. Now, he's different than Palmer is. He's more of a possession guy. He, he appears to be more of a Jordan Westerkamp type of dude than a Trey Palmer type of dude. But whether your number one guy is a deep threat burner or a great hands route running possession guy, either way, you need a number one guy. A guy that you know can get open. You know can make a play. You know you can depend on. You know on third and six, he's, he's going to find that gap in the zone. He's going to beat one-on-one coverage. He's going to make a play. That needs to be Kemp. Not sure Washington's number one. I think he's more of a Robin than a Batman. Xavier Betts, yes, we know he's talented, but he's got to earn it, proving to be reliable and dependable. Isaiah uh, Garcia-Castaneda, he had that great first game last year against Northwestern in Dublin and then transferred after Frost was fired, but now he's back. Not sure what, what he can be, kind of a to-be-determined player, in my opinion. And then there's Billy Kemp. Nebraska needs him to be a real player, a true difference maker. And I know that it's it's not like he's not being discussed. You know, I don't want to paint it like no one's – you know, I haven't heard anybody say the, the name Billy Kemp in six months. No, I mean, I'm not saying that, but I just think there needs to be more chatter around him. And let's also not forget that Billy Kemp, he can return punts as well. Fun fact, Nebraska returned only five punts last season. God, as someone that just, I talk about this every year. I love my favorite, I love a good punt returner. I just love it. Dewan Gross, DeMornay Pearsonell, like, those do it's just so exciting when you got a real dude back there. Maybe Billy Kim can help in that department as well. But he is so important, and therefore I think he's a little under the radar and underdiscussed. Next guy, Luke Reimer. I know I just don't feel like I hear much about Reimer. I didn't hear much about him in the spring. Rule didn't say much. Other coaches didn't say much. Didn't hear much chatter in general about Reimer. And listen, some of it can be the fact that he's a a known commodity and sometimes the offseason can be filled with getting seduced by the unknown over the known. But I just, I think Luke Reimer needs more discussion. Senior, leading returning tackler, pretty good player. Got some experience, great instincts, pretty fast and productive. 194 total tackles the last two seasons. I guess I just look at it like this. It's hard for me to envision a good season for Nebraska's defense without Reimer having a good season. 
So in that regard, I think Reimer's importance is really high. It, it's it's not always the, the end-all, be-all, but I do feel like experience matters at that spot, that inside linebacker spot. And I get that Nebraska and everybody on that on that side of the ball, they're learning learning a new system, new terminology, three three five, all that stuff. But age and having been through the grind and been through the wars of a Big Ten season matters. And most importantly, strength matters. There's a non-negotiable level of athleticism and strength you gotta possess to play linebacker in the Big Ten. And typically older guys got that, and Reimer is older. Don't get me wrong, Reimer's not Levante David or anything like that. He's not a superstar. But I've heard Damon Benning call Reimer potentially a Sunday talent, and I'll take his word for it. Reimer's got really good instincts. He's really fast sideline to sideline. I like Reimer. And I I feel better with him out there, regardless of head coach, regardless of system. So to me, I think Reimer needs more chatter because, in my opinion, he's really, really important. I mean, if you're making lists of most important Huskers for next season, I, I don't know how he's not in your top five. I really don't. I really don't. Next guy, under the radar, under discussed guy. Get ready for everybody to be like, oh, Nick, big shock. You brought this guy up again. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say his name again, Thomas Fedoni. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm, you know, Thomas Fedoni is like my my brother or something like that. I just bring him up any chance I get. Like, I, I know people are like, God, Nick, you always find a way to bring him up. Probably a little annoying for some because he's never caught a pass or, or really done anything at Nebraska. But I just, I think that dude can be a player, man. I think he can be a player. Again, keep in mind, remember, he was the number one tight end recruit in the 2021 20, class. Number one tight end recruit in the country. And you watch his high school highlights, the dude looks like a freak. And I'm just hoping he can finally get healthy and stay healthy. And I certainly hope he hasn't had too many injuries that just kind of like alter who he is as an athlete. Because you never know. You, you just never know. Injuries and, you know, how people bounce back from them are weird. Now, I've speaking from, from my perspective, like I, I was thinking about injuries and thinking about uh, Fedoni and, and coming back and all that stuff. I never had, in my basketball career and football career, my athletic career, I never had a major leg or knee injury. I was fortunate and lucky in that regard. I had, I had a million just sprained ankles, right? I dealt with some tendonitis in my knee later in my college career and some plantar fasciitis in my foot as well later in my college career, but no tears or breaks in my lower body. So I can't fully relate to that. But I, I did dislocate my shoulder my senior year of football in high school at Lincoln Southeast. It chipped a bone. It was a nasty one. Needed surgery, and I was out for a while. And I know this sounds weird, but I, I, I never fully felt like myself again after that injury. I mean, don't get me wrong, I recovered and got back onto the court and played college basketball. But nobody knows your own body quite like you do. And I just never fully felt the same. I, I mean, I honestly think the bigger issue or reason could have been 
in terms of not feeling the same, maybe was more mental than it was like physical. Although my shoulder, like every once in a while, there be to this day, there's still things that happen that that my shoulder hurts. But you know, maybe the bigger reason or issue for it was was mental. I don't know how to explain it, but after my injury, I just felt different out there. And the, there, to me, there is something to mentally just staying in the game. Put that in air quotes. Just like staying in the game, like. Some people, when they get hurt, some people gain perspective from having to stop and watch it from the sidelines for a bit. But for me, I don't know if I'd, I, I think it actually hurt me. I think it caused me to think too much and squeeze too hard as well. And by squeeze too hard, I mean, when I got hurt, first of all, my athletic mortality became real. And then I realized just how much I needed basketball for a million different reasons. And, I mean, that could be a whole different pod. Like, it was my identity. It was how what drove me, how I kind of structured my life. Like, all of a sudden, that I, I just all that, like, I started squeezing. And that kind of weighs on you mentally. And the last thing you ever want as an athlete is to be thinking too much. And I think I thought way too much about everything after I got hurt. And in that way, I felt different and not like my old self. So to circle back to Fedoni, I hope he doesn't suffer from that. I hope he's good you know, and healthy physically, but I hope his mind is the same. We, this, the, the mind, man, like it just, it's the old Charles Barkley line. The only difference between a good player and a great player is confidence. Like the greatest performance enhancing drug in the world is confidence. And what we're really talking about is the mentality, how you think, how you view yourself, how you're operating out there. And so I hope Fedoni. I guarantee you, like, when that guy showed up at Nebraska, there was a – he had – in his head, he thought he was like, oh, you guys, you don't understand who you're dealing with here. And sometimes all it takes is all of a sudden one season goes by, two seasons goes by, a couple of injuries. Do I trust my knee? Do I trust this? Do I trust my body? Oh, my God, I'm thinking uh, – you know, and before you know it, like, it can just your, – your mind starts going places. I just – I hope Fedoni's in a good place. Because yeah, football's a game where you got to let it rip. You you got to let it rip. Because I, if Fedoni's good mentally and physically, he's got too much talent to not be a really good player at Nebraska. I mean, think about this. So, like I said, Fedoni was the number one ranked tight end in the 2021 class. Number one tight end in the country. And out of curiosity, I went back and I looked at the 24-7 composite player rankings and looked at the rankings by position. And I looked at all the number one ranked tight ends from 2010 to 2018. And the reason I used that time frame was it, it didn't look like, based on what I was looking at, they didn't rank individual positions before 2010, at least on the 24-7 composite. And so I wanted to stay consistent. And then the, the number one 2019 tight end is still in college. So I used that time frame, 2010 to 2018. So I looked at the number one ranked tight ends in nine classes. Chew on this. Seven of the nine tight ends 
were drafted in the NFL. Of the two that didn't get drafted, one got kicked off the team at Auburn, so there's that reason. And then the other was Xavier Grimble. He was the 2010 number one ranked tight end. He went to USC. He didn't get drafted, but he played the NFL. He was with the Steelers for four seasons. He caught three touchdown passes. So I think you can say that eight of the nine number one ranked tight ends in their respective classes were pros. Played in the NFL. They're NFL players. So I bring that up to say that the trend is on Fedoni's side being the number one ranked tight end most likely means that you will play in the NFL. So Fedoni is a really intriguing player. Side note, Eric Gilbert, tight end transfer to Nebraska. That rule snagged out of the portal this spring. He was the number one ranked tight end in the 2020 class. So he's just had a rough go so far. Like he's awaiting a waiver from the NCAA to make him eligible. Maybe by the time you listen to this, it's I mean, I feel like any moment now that the ruling could come down. I, I really searched everywhere. I couldn't find any sort of ruling on it. I think they're still waiting. But because he's transferred twice. Eric Gilbert, he started at LSU. He had 35 catches and two touchdowns. And then he transferred to Georgia. And now he's at Nebraska. So we'll see with that waiver. And if he gets granted a waiver, Gilbert is another guy that fits a lot of what I just said and what I just laid out. But it's kind of crazy to say out loud that Nebraska has not one but two number one ranked tight ends in the, on their roster. 2020, number one tight end, Gilbert. 2021, number one tight end, Fedoni. Because, man, if those, if those guys play to their ranking, holy shit. That means Nebraska has two NFL tight ends on their roster, which is exciting. But I'm focusing on Fedoni with this situation here. He's just always captivated me. And I just want to see what Thomas Fedoni can do fully healthy. He's someone that I'm rooting for and someone that I cannot wait to watch this year. So those are kind of three under-the-radar, under-discussed Huskers. The next list I had on my mind was returning players who are really intriguing to me and really need to take a big leap or just take a leap, period. And I came up with six guys. They aren't necessarily under-the-radar players. They they could be, um, but they're all interesting in their own way. Six returners that really I've been thinking about lately that that need a leap and are, and are interesting to me. First guy I wrote down was Teddy Prohaska. I mean, Teddy Peno ass down. Like, the hype around him was real heading into last year. But he's been bit by the injury bug. And the thing you get nervous when when big guys start to get injured, it, it can – I get, this happens in basketball. Like when, when big 6'9", 6'10", 7-foot dudes, when they start getting hurt, all of a sudden things can deteriorate pretty quick. You hope that's not happening with, with Teddy Prohaska. But he's, you know, he's been hurt. But the bottom line is the best Nebraska looked two years ago were, were probably the two games where, where Prohaska was on the field a lot at Oklahoma and then Northwestern at home, especially the Northwestern game at home. Got the start, looked really good. I mean, true freshman was out there doing his thing. But sometimes you got to say out loud just how big Prohaska is. 6'10", 320. 
320. I mean, damn, that's big. They need that that line needs a star. And you got to have the right dude at, at, at that left tackle spot. Hopefully, Teddy Prasca can be that. I just want to see maybe he actually is a total beast if he's healthy and he's out there for a whole season. He's someone that they Nebraska needs to take a leap and be healthy. Second guy I was thinking about is Gabe Irvin. You know, if you think about it, there's got to be a reason he's – He's earned basically the number one running back spot under two different staffs now. He won the job in 2021, then got hurt. And it appears like in the spring, under rule here, he earned the number one running back spot again. You don't do that by accident. What's interesting about Irvin, Gabe Irvin, is I've always said that running backs usually pop right away and you usually see it right away. But I'm not sure in Gabe Irvin's 57 career carries if he's ever wowed me. He's got his longest run from scrimmage is 21 yards. I don't know if he's ever really had a run that's been like, whoa. I mean, even Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen popped a few times last year, kind of right away. But there's just something about Gabe Irvin that I'm just like I'm not I'm not selling my Gabe, my Gabe Irvin stock. I'm I'm not gonna do it. I just look at him and I'm like I. And Bo Root and I have talked about this a lot. I really think if you look through his 57 carries, like if you pulled them all up and in like a in clip by clip by clip by clip, I I would guess I feel like 50 of his 57 carries were poorly blocked. Like, nowhere to go. Guy in the backfield, honest, in disrupted, dude in the backfield, no hole, nowhere to go. So, for whatever reason, I make excuses for him. I just do. Now, some of them feel like legit excuses for why it hasn't really kind of worked for him so far. But I think the biggest reason that we can't lose sight of a why it hasn't worked so far is he's got hurt, got injured, he hurt his knee, which obviously matters, too. But there's just there's something about Gabe Irvin, man. I want to hold on to that Gabe Irvin stock for another year. I'm not ready to sell on it. He keeps on he keeps on winning these jobs. He keeps on impressing people that see him at practice. Gabe Irvin's a guy they need. If he's gonna be the guy at that running back spot, they need they need him to pop and take a leap. The third guy I wrote down because I was had running backs in my brain was Anthony Grant. Like, what's up? What, what will, it's so interesting to see what Anthony Grant's going to be this year. I mean, that guy had a pretty damn good start to the season last year. But then he kind of, I don't know, falling off a cliff is probably a, too strong of a way to put it. But he went from, like, making a lot of splash plays and, and, making, and being a difference maker to kind of just being a guy out there. His production really dwindled. I think a lot of that had to do when Casey Thompson went down. They loaded – I mean, there wasn't a lot of respect over the top, throwing the ball, right? And then you look at this offseason, I think he got in the doghouse a bit at the start of the spring. So it'll be interesting to see where this season goes for him. But Grant really showed flashes last year. He has got some wiggle to him, and he popped a couple of times last year. I'll never forget that play to start the third quarter at Rutgers – where he was along the sideline, it was in front of the Rutgers sideline, and he just trucked a Rutgers defender. 
like completely plowed his ass. And I'm telling you, it set the tone for the rest of the second half where Nebraska went on to win the game. So I'm curious to see what he looks like this year. By the way, really was kind of bummed out with the A.J. Allen transfer. It didn't get a ton of chatter and talk and run, but that guy showed some real potential as a freshman last year. He ended up at Miami. That's where he transferred to, which is telling in terms of his kind of quote-unquote market value, for lack of a better term. So the running back spot's interesting to me. Irvin and Grant, I had both on this list of guys like, hey, these two guys, someone to take a leap. Fourth guy I wrote down, Ty Robinson. Jason Peter Jr., as Bo and I have dubbed him, because he, him and Jason Peter were always around each other when JP was on staff the last couple of years. But he's the most experienced defensive lineman Nebraska has, and they need Ty Robinson to be a dude. And I'll be honest, I think the jury is, is out on him on whether or not he's, he's a dude or not. He's been okay to me, solid, not great, not bad, but not great. He's, he's a junior, and he's, he's played a decent amount of football. He's played in 35 games. He's got 23 starts. He's got 68 tackles. Got four sacks. Got 10 tackles for loss. I mean, not bad production. He missed the spring recovering from an injury. But Jason, Jason Peter Jr., Ty Robinson, they need him to hit the ground running, and they need a big leap from him, in my opinion. Hard pressed to envision a you know a, a seven eight win season unless somebody on that D line becomes a beast. And I, I don't I mean you tell me the most likely candidates for that to happen. It's Ty Robinson. It's got to be right. They need a big leap from from him, a big leap. He's a really important piece to Nebraska's success. Fifth guy I wrote down was Nick Henrich. Another guy that's flown under the radar. Been injured. Really hurt him last year. Broke his hand against Northwestern in the first game of the year. And then tore his ACL against Purdue. So his season was cut short. But he had a pretty good 2021 season. He had 99 tackles and started every game. And I like Henrich. And I feel like he's a... A little under the radar. I could have put him on the under the radar, under discussed list. Uh, you could put him at Reimer and Henrich to me. But he's he's coming off an injury. He kind of struggled to start the year last year. Some of that was every shit. Everybody was struggling the first handful of games. Remember how bad the defense was for a while. I mean, what what the what was going on? First couple of games of the year it was like what the. Remember, remember the gaping holes in that Georgia Southern game at times? It was like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> the Nebraska play with like eight guys on the field? That's what it seemed like at times. So, and Henrich was up on the field. It was, he struggled a little bit. But he was banged up. But you know what, for me, I feel like I can say this now. This would have been last spring. Not this spring, but spring before that. So heading into last season. I remember talking to Barrett. And we were talking about Henrich, and Barrett just gushed over Nick Henrich. Barrett Rude loved Nick Henrich. I think it's pretty clear Henrich was, he wasn't his favorite guy to coach. He was 1A, 1B. 
Barrett talked about it, just great attitude, hard worker, worked his ass off, was a guy that just totally gets it. Barrett loved him. So I always keep that in mind when I think about Nick Henrich. So I think a healthy Henrich can be a, a, a difference maker and a really good thing for Nebraska this year. He's someone that needs to get healthy, needs to stay healthy, and they need a leap from him. Sixth guy wrote down. The little guy. Malcolm Hartzog. That dude, man. He may be little, but he's just one of those guys. He kind of has, there's kind of an it quality to him where he just got, he just has it. Like true freshman year last year, kind of thrown out there because Tommy Hill was on the struggle bus. But true freshman year, played a lot, got tested a lot. 22 tackles, three interceptions, and recovered that blocked punt and returned it for a touchdown against Indiana. He's he's just like the he knows how to make a play. He's got a knack for that. He and that was kind of Bo rude. That was kind of Bo. If you really if you go back and think about Bo's career and look at Bo's career, Bo had a natural ability to make a big splash play on defense. I mean, Bo had three or four, three for sure, Maine, Ball State, and Iowa State. There should have been another one. I think it was against Texas Tech, but he got ran down by a, by a defensive lineman, which we always give him shit about. But So he had three or four pick sixes from that outside linebacker spot. Pick, not, not just picks, pick sixes. And they were all, like, huge plays. Nebraska was in big trouble against Maine. This would have been in 06, maybe? 05 or 06? Late fourth quarter, pick six. Makes it so Nebraska going to hold on and win. Ball State at home. You guys remember that game, the Nate Davis game? Where Nebraska was in big trouble. Bo's pick six. Kind of saved the game. Iowa State, Bo had a 92-yard pick six. Kind of flipped the game. Like, he he had a knack for it. And I think Hartzog has a little bit of that to his game, where he's just – some guys are good at the 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 meat and potatoes of defense and, and being in the right spot. And then there's some guys that just know – that maybe, like, just know how to get the ball on defense. And, like, Bo had that, and I think Hartzog maybe has that. Three interceptions. Reco- recovered that block punt, returned it for a touchdown. I think he's got a little bit of that. I think he's a candidate to really pop this year, in my opinion. I think he's a player. He's someone that I have thought a lot about over the last month or so. I'm excited to watch him play, and ne- Nebraska needs him to take a big step forward. So there you go. There's six more players been on my mind lately, returners who who need to need to take a leap. God, this stuff just gets me pumped for the season, man. I can't wait. So there you go. List season, baby. That's how my mind works. As always, thanks for listening. Sincerely appreciate it. We'll see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. A Heard at Sports Network production.